Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Yeoman, and today's title is Who is the Most Dangerous Man in North America? Now, Aaron, that's a good title. Who is the most dangerous man in North America? And that's, I think, going to be very interesting for our listeners. And I'm actually quite curious because you haven't given me the the answer yet. But do you mind introducing today's topic for us? Happy to. Well, the reason why I want to do this episode is because I want to issue a warning to the Christian church, to the pastors that lead Christian churches in Canada and in the United States. And I also want to issue a warning to citizens to be on the lookout for people who have it as their, um, I, I guess you could say, have it as their their desire to radically alter the nature of our society. And throughout history, there have been many people that have endeared themselves to the citizenry who have presented themselves as you know men and women of the people who've been elected to high office, who have been accommodated by other politicians, by police services, by military, and have ended up doing some very atrocious things to their people. And I see in our world today the rise of leaders that are adamantly opposed to the things of God, are very destructive personalities, but who somehow continue to hold office and have a measure of political acclaim. And sadly, many people in the Christian church today are silent or or seem to be overly trusting. So I want this podcast to serve as a bit of a warning for people to be on the alert for people who are uh, anti-Christ, anti-Western civilization, whose policies are dangerous to people's ability to work and worship, whose policies are anti-family. And so I want to call out uh, a particular leader today who I think is is the most dangerous man in North North America today. But eventually he will, you know, go the way of all men and others might rise up to replace him. So this is a warning. This is a timeless warning for people to consider very carefully the circumstances of our world and to respond, not not to be passive, but to respond proactively and wisely to the rise of tyranny and totalitarianism and the like. So that's where I want to go with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope this will be educational. I'm not interested in inducing fear. I want to educate. I also want to warn and I want to call conscientious people to respond, to actively respond to the issues that are going on mm-hmm. in uh, the world today, but especially in North America. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, before you reveal who you think is the most dangerous man in North America, the first question um, that I think of is throughout history, there's men like Hitler, Pol Pot, Stalin, who have committed abominable acts against their citizens and against God. Uh, but they didn't become those genocidal maniacs overnight. They rose to power over time yep. and they were often sadly very not that opposed um so can you give our listeners an overview of their rise to power okay so whenever you study history what you don't want to be looking for is circumstances that are exactly the same as the ones within which you find yourself and i think there's a lot of people that are a little bit naive they're like well what's going on in our world today is not it's it's a different world than let's say world war ii germany well that's true that's mm-hmm. true. There's one Hitler. Uh, he's no longer here. And this precise circumstances of his rise to power and his atrocities will never be repeated. Mm-hmm. But 
the patterns of behavior, some of the patterns of behavior we see in the tyrants like Hitler and Pol Pot and Stalin and others, the patterns of behavior, the way they rose to power, people need to understand history. Now, when we think of terrible people like Hitler and Stalin and Pol Pot, we often focus on, you know, how many millions of people did they kill? What what was sort of the the zenith of their tyranny, the climax of their wickedness? But there's a there's a backstory to these men. They didn't just get into power overnight. They didn't just start murdering people by the millions overnight. There's a backstory to their rise to power. And it's important for people to understand this. Like with Hitler, for example, Hitler actually started to come onto the political scene in the 1920s. So it was many, many, many years, even before World War II, where Hitler was positioning himself. He was he tried to he was involved in a little coup attempt in the 1920s. He was tossed in jail uh, for for treason. During that time, he wrote his Mein Kampf. There's two volumes to it, published in 1925 and 1926. Basically, his book was anti-Semitic and sort of painted his picture for what Germany should be like. And the basic thesis of his book was that the Jews were responsible for the problems in Europe. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a conspiracy. He he was able to convince his people that the Jews were basically destroying cult, the culture that they appreciated. So that's back in the 1920s. <clears throat> and then moving into the 1930s, you know, he starts to, to uh, run for political office and eventually he's appointed as the chancellor of Germany under the guise of sort of being independent from party politics well, he and the Nazi party immediately begin to jockey in position. They they put people in um, key political positions. They immediately appoint ministers that will control the police. This is really important for people to understand. One of the first moves of tyrants is to get to get the police on their side. And it's not very difficult, actually, to get the police on their side because most of the police are just going to do what they're told by whoever's in power. Mm-hmm. So they got the police on on their side. Over time, they actually gain control of the whole government. They would op- oppress and persecute the, the opposition parties. They would strip dissenting military leaders of their rank. So basically, they, over time, uh, the Nazis with Hitler, they would appoint the people to positions of power and leadership that they wanted. So we're talking, you know, roughly, well, kind of near the end, maybe five years, but it was, it was a 10 to 15 year lead up to world war two. Mm-hmm. And obviously all the millions of people that Hitler uh, had executed under his tyranny. It didn't just happen from 1939 onward. There was a lead up to it. So let me just go, mention a couple other leaders and then just kind of draw some similarities. So Pol Pot, basically, uh, you know, he's in the 1970s. He becomes the communist leader of Cambodia. He's a socialist. So everyone's sort of got to go to work, work in the fields, dress in black. Everyone's kind of make everybody look alike, act alike, think alike. Of course, people would dissent from his policies. So he ultimately had up to 2 million people, which represents a quarter of the population of Cambodia, executed. So this is another man who rose to power, um, had a political ideology that was godless, that was anti-creational, who ultimately presided over the death of hundreds of thousands, if not a couple of million people. Stalin, you know, he he was a socialist during his his great purge, he had 700,000 people killed and up to a million tossed in jail. So what, what's the similarity between Hitler, Stalin, and Pol Pot? Well, they were all in political office, so they all had a position of power to wield over the population. So the most dangerous people in the world are potentially those who are in high offices. They can also be the greatest blessings to their people. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to identify the most dangerous man in North America, you're probably going to want to be looking at someone who's in high office. 
You also want to look for someone who silences dissenting opinion, who censors free speech. These men did a masterful job of that. They were very masterful at not permitting themselves to have any opposing voices around them. They, they all, uh, in theory or in practicality, denied God, mm -hmm. God's supreme rule over culture. They were all statists in the sense that they believed that the government, the state, the leader of the state should have absolute power over the people. So you're gonna, if you're going to identify the most dangerous man in North America, you're going to want to look for uh, an individual who's in a high political office, who's opposed to free speech, who denies God, who's a statist, and who has at his disposal the police to just sort of do his bidding. Uh, how many times in our own country, in the United States, have we seen the police just sort of mindlessly arrest or go after protesters or ticket pastors? Uh, well, because we're told to do it, mm -hmm. right? So it's just this mindset, well, we're told to do it. We're just grunts. We're just the arm of the state. And then the other thing that these men did a really good job at is demonizing their opponents. So if you're going to look for dangerous people on the rise in culture, you're going to want to look for people that use vindictive, vicious, demonizing language to denigrate their opponents and who are in a position of high office that enables them to do that. So those are the patterns. Again, the, circ the circumstances in Russia, Cambodia, Germany are different mm -hmm. than in North America today. But those are the patterns of behavior that we can observe in historical tyrants, dangerous men that we should be on the lookout for in uh, people today. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before you reveal who you think is the most dangerous man in North America, one other point, it would seem that the majority of people, they don't really believe that things could ever get as bad as that again. There's kind of this idea of progress. We're better than that. Um, so why is it that you think people, why, why is it that? And why is that, I guess you could say, and how do you respond to those who believe that? Well, fundamentally, one of the myths that circulates in culture is that humans are innately good. I've, I actually heard someone recently, I'm just trying to think who it was, but I heard someone recently say, I used to think that people were innately good and now I realize they're not. I have a relative who's kind of said the same thing to me that, you know, she believes that people, she's not a Christian, but she believes that people are innately good. And this is a, a myth, I think, that a lot of non-Christian people have. They they see the charitable deeds that people participate in. They They observe, you know, the relative peace and order in society. And they... You know, they're, they're in traffic and people yield the right of way. Uh, mm -hmm. People give money to soup kitchens, et cetera. So they have this idea that uh, people are, you know, innately good. And they just don't really, they don't really believe that people are capable of, um, you know, really, really bad things. So the Bible uh, paints a very different picture. You know, the Bible tells us that we're born in sin. You know, apart from God, we become really good at acting out uh, with thought, word, and deed, our, our sinful inclinations. Even our good deeds are as filthy rags. So even charitable acts are motivated by evil. So in illustrations of this, we have a bunch of people running around saying, you know, equality, 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 because it's politically correct. Mm -hmm. It's politically, a, politically correct to speak out for the equality of, let's say, homosexuals. But the same people are complicit in people losing their jobs because they won't get a vaccination. It's nonsense. Uh, we have people giving to charities, donating money to universities, but they want their, their name on a plaque or their name on the new building that the university's building. And people think, oh, you're a philanthropist, you're, you're generous, you're charitable. No, it's because they're looking for public applause. They're looking to um, gain notoriety. They're looking to maybe expand their businesses. But but we sort of are easily duped thinking, well, people are good. If people give, they must be, you know, in it for the good of humanity. No, apart from 
God motivating a, motivating a person to be goodness, good to be good and charitable, people are always motivated by selfish inclinations. Mm-hmm. So this is a myth that people have, and so they they tend to you know they tend to criticize, for instance, political leaders. But they it would be it, it, it's hard for them to imagine that anybody you know in 2022 could possibly do what Hitler did or Pol Pot did or Stalin did. Mm-hmm. And then I also think that most people in our society today have, well, we have a higher level of education than ever before in human history. I don't think our education, I think our education is um, quantitative, but not qualitative. I'm not sure that the quality of education people are getting today is necessarily helpful because people go through multiple degrees and, and seem kind of obtuse to, to, to history to uh, they, they seem to lack the ability to think logically, to to have a a comprehensive understanding of culture and the arts and the sciences, etc. That's just a little aside. But I think the notion is well, most people have a BA or an MA, and some have PhDs, and pretty much everybody's been to high school, or at least you know, has a successful business to demonstrate. So it's, it's this notion, well, we're a super educated culture. Like we're not like they were back then, but the reality is these, the, like Pol Pot, for example, was a very educated individual. I went to a very good school. Um, you know, Germany was sort of a world superpower at the time. These were very educated people, very sophisticated people, like a, a high class culture. Um, Education in and of itself doesn't protect you from tyranny. Mm-hmm. The kind of education that you get can protect you from tyranny. And clearly, <clears throat> one of the reasons why we see the rise of tyranny in the West is because people don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I would just say that some folks believe that because we have a high educational level that you know we're immune. People also tend to trust the courts, the international courts. They think there's all these protections around them. But you can have all kinds of institutions around you. If you have a corrupt worldview that doesn't see tyranny for what it is, doesn't see anti-creationism for what it is, doesn't see godlessness for what it is, doesn't acknowledge that secularism is highly spiritual, highly religious, then people are easily duped. We think we have these protections, but we're actually very, very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We're much more vulnerable than, than we think. Um, so a, a lack of awareness of history, which we've we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, when you asked, um, you know, what what do we do about this? Well, as I've said before, when you see a culture disintegrating, you you need to understand that there's a spiritual battle going on, obviously behind the scenes. So we're praying against that. We're holding high the word of God. But fundamentally, the reason why cultures deteriorate and tyrants and dangerous people arise is because of lies, half-truths, falsehoods, taking something that's good and calling it evil, something that's evil and calling it good. Mm -hmm. So we got here by lies, we get it by truth. So to combat dangerous people, you have to keep speaking the truth. If you're silent, you are complicit. If you're silent, you are complicit. So you have to speak the truth using every venue and avenue you have. And everyone has their own venues Mm -hmm. to speak the truth through, whether it's preaching or teaching or water cooler conversations at work or social media or letter writing or petitions or speaking at protests or running for political office. Everyone has venues to communicate truth, just like the bad guys have venues to communicate truth or lies, I should say. So we got here by lies, we get it by truth. Mm -hmm. We also have to do a better job in training up the next generation. So I know you have young children. As a Christian father, you have to talk about these things with your kids, obviously at an age-appropriate level. You have to educate them, not just in mathematics and science and whatnot, but you have to educate them to actually think Christianly. It's a worldview issue, Chris. Mm -hmm. So people have to learn to think Christianly about law, politics, um, education, 
and you know all all the different spheres of life, mm-hmm. and then never give up. We're not giving up. Mm-hmm. Uh, things could get worse. The most dangerous man in North America could become more dangerous. Someone more dangerous than him could arise. But at the end of the day, we don't give up. Mm-hmm. We continue to persevere because dangerous people, as as destructive as they are, and they can you know wreak havoc upon civilizations that have implications for decades, if not centuries to come, they do eventually fall and fail. Mm-hmm. So we never give up. We never give up. We, we continue to push back. Amen. Absolutely. So what kind of behavior would you expect to see from the most dangerous man in North America? Well, as I mentioned already, the person would pretty much have to be in high office because the higher the office, the more influence and authority they would have. So it's not your local atheist plumber. Mm -hmm. It's not your local kindergarten teacher that spouts off a radical sexual agenda to your children. These are dangerous people. There's lots of dangerous people. There's serial killers Mm -hmm. that are dangerous people, but people that are the most dangerous are in high office because they have a voice that everyone listens to. They would also have to have an outspoken uh, outspoken following. So for a person to be dangerous, they have to be surrounded by a lot of people who, who are supportive of and maybe even feeding their dangerous mm-hmm. ideologies. You would expect them to, to appeal to special interest groups that are especially heinous or, or godless, uh, people that are have, have anti-creational views of marriage, anti-creational views of human sexuality, who are anti-church, who are anti-liberty, who are pro-statist, mm-hmm. who are pro-totalitarian, who are pro-tyranny, who mislabel evil for good and good for evil. Um, you expect that the most dangerous man in North America would be young enough that he would have many years ahead of him to wreak havoc on culture and to influence uh, countries, mm-hmm. his own country, um, the people around him. You would also want to look for div- divisive rhetoric. So dangerous people are dangerous people divide. So mm-hmm. truth divides, of course. So let me mm-hmm. just make this comment. Truth divides. So when you say Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life, you need to trust in him alone for your salvation. That's divisive, but it's a truism that is in line with God's word that acknowledges God's supremacy over all of creation, Colossians 1, and that benefits and blesses people. But divis- the kind of divisive rhetoric I'm talking about is, is the kind that brings death, that brings disunity, that brings godlessness, that brings economic woes, that uh, forces people to violate their consciences, that sort of thing. So dangerous people, as they rise to power, are divisive with their words. They divide. They demonize Dangerous people also appeal to moral categories in order to try to persuade people to their side when in reality their moral categories are generally immoral. So when the prophet Isaiah warned us not to call good evil and evil good, you're going to expect that in dangerous people. So they're going to take, for example, I'll use this example. The Bible speaks of marriage being between one man and one woman in a heterosexual relationship for life in a covenant. Malachi speaks of it as a covenant. A dangerous person will flip that on their head and they they will not champion a creational view of marriage. They will champion a non creational view of marriage, but they'll use moral language to try to persuade you that it's the right thing to do, that it's morally right to permit and allow people to marry whoever they want under whatever circumstances they want, regardless of their sex, their sex, regardless of the, the longevity of the relationship, regardless of the purpose of it, the reason for it, et cetera. So they're going to, they, they will, they will take, they'll, they'll borrow moral language 
like language, you know, this is right, this is wrong. You have a responsibility. You need to be a good citizen in order to do this. And they'll flip it on its head and they'll use it to justify immoral behavior while at the same time not standing for actual morality. So this is, this is what makes them dangerous. They will also be willing to punish dissenters harshly. So dangerous people have no, no true toleration. They speak of tolerance, but they're actually extremely intolerant. Mm -hmm. They, they're not driven by love. They're not driven by moral virtue. They, they will, they will punish, they will exclude, they will remove from positions of power and authority, anyone that they can to get their way. And then finally, Chris, this is, this is what makes them especially dangerous when they are unopposed, mm. when they're unopposed. So if they're in a position of high office and those that are supposed to oppose them politically don't oppose them, this, what, this is what makes these kinds of people especially dangerous. When they create a system and a culture where the people that are supposed to oppose them are scared to oppose them, won't say anything publicly against their tyranny the, these are the kind of people to watch out for. These are the kind of people that are especially destructive on culture, on families, on, on society and civilization. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think everybody has waited long enough. I know I've waited long enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> so out with it. Who is the most dangerous man in North America? Well, let me begin by telling you who it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're still going to wait. <laughs> okay. So most people... In, in my audience, which is Canada in the U.S., would probably think it's Joe Biden, the president of the United States, because he presides over a radical leftist government, and he is, he is arguably the most powerful man in public office on earth. So most people would assume, well, it's got to be Joe Biden because he's leading the United States of America which is which is ba still basically the world's superpower. I mean, China's hot on their heels, but it's the world's superpower. But here, here's why Joe Biden isn't actually the most dangerous man in North America. First of all, because in, in the U.S. government, he still has strong opposition. Mm -hmm. There's many, many people in the U.S. government in elected offices that are still regularly publicly criticizing his leftist agenda and his decision. So the, the fact that he has strong opposition, he has a lot of power, but he still has, they still have checks and balances in place in the United States to, to sort of hold him in place. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that in the next election round or two election rounds after that, that that's not going to change. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it probably will. If there's anything that, you know, I, if there's any way that I want to be a blessing as a Canadian to my American brethren, it's to warn them to not permit what's happening in Canada to happen in the United States. Mm -hmm. Even though from a world superpower perspective, Canada is small potatoes compared to the US, Joe Biden still has people that will oppose him Secondly, he's too old. Uh, that's, not an, that's not to denigrate or diminish older people, but the reality is he doesn't have enough life and health in him to be around for much longer. So his, his influence uh, can be very destructive and has been very destructive. Uh, his vice president is a dangerous person when it comes to a creational view of culture and life. But he is still the man holding the office. So he's, frankly, he's too old to be the most dangerous man in North America. And he presides over a country that culturally, and this is what I appreciate about the US, I wish there was more of this in Canada, that's a little bit more willing to expose mm -hmm. and to oppose him. Mm -hmm. It's just part of the culture, right? Because Americans fought for their freedom and liberty. Canadians did not. We fought in World War II for Europe's freedom and liberty, but we inherited our freedom and liberty from Britain. Mm -hmm. There's been some skirmishes. You know, we had to hold the Americans back in, in the 1812 war. But 
there's a there's culture matters the the cultural the 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 sort of the mindset of a nation matters in terms of how they respond uh to things now having said all that i don't want you know my american brothers to sort of think whoo we dodged a bullet on that one we don't have the most dangerous man in north america presiding over our nation because depending on who you talk to i've talked to different americans and i would say the us is between 5 and 15 years at the most behind canada in terms of this radical godless agenda but the most dangerous man in north america i actually believe is the prime minister of canada mm-hmm. justin trudeau i think he is an extremely dangerous individual and there's many reasons for this um let, let me just if you're in canada and you're aware of what's going on you might have already guessed mm-hmm. uh that that this is where i was headed in the direction i was headed in but there's i'm not making partisan uh comments here i'm i'm not making i'm not making comments about his party at this point i'm not making comments um about uh you know his his tenure but the reality is when you evaluate this man's public record mm-hmm. and his public statements and his his the 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 legislation that he presides over Mr. Trudeau is an incredibly dangerous dangerous individual. He's dangerous to the family unit, the nuclear family. He's di- very dangerous to the to the Christian church. He's he's very dangerous legally. He's a legal liability in our country in my opinion. And the fact that he's not governing the world superpower makes him especially dangerous because he doesn't s- seem to be held account mm-hmm. to account for his public comments by other nations to the degree of let's say Joe Biden would be as the leader of the world superpower mm-hmm. so he i i think that Justin Trudeau has the capacity to influence culture especially the younger generation in a more radical way unopposed than Mr. Biden would. So here's some things about Justin Trudeau. First of all, he he is a radical statist. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't live and govern as a man that acknowledges the supremacy of God at all, which is in our charter. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't acknowledge that at all. He's a radical statist. He's he's very comfortable with the state wielding authority over the church wielding authority over charitable organizations mm-hmm. over pregnancy centers over the definition of families uh he's very comfortable with that he he literally this isn't an exaggeration he literally has presided over legislation that declares the substance of the bible to be a myth like in law mm-hmm. we now have the word myth in bill c4 that says it's it's basically a myth to promote that heterosexual marriage is preferable mm-hmm. that it's in other words that it's the norm mm-hmm. so this is a, a radical piece of legislation i'm not aware of any legislation and i don't study every nation of course i'm not allowed but i'm not aware of any legislation in the USA that is so bold as to declare that heterosexual normalcy the, perf- the the notion that heterosexuality is the preferred expression of sex of sexual behavior among humans is a myth this is shocking language well when you so in effect mr trudeau has declared that the bible that what we read in Genesis what we read in Romans 1 in Ephesians 5 is a myth mm-hmm. so now you've you he not only does not acknowledge the supremacy of God and functions as if the state is supreme over all spheres of life but the bible the authoritative word of god which is actually the basis of western civilization is a myth so this is what makes him very dangerous He also firmly rejects creational categories 
of human sexuality. He he rejects the notion that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. He rejects uh, human biology and the creational reality that there are, God created us male and female mm-hmm. in his image. He rejects that. He he has successfully passed Bill C4. Listen to this, unopposed. Unopposed. Not one, not one, this is shocking. Not mm-hmm. one single member, not one single single member of parliament in the entire Dominion of Canada. Mm-hmm. Not one single one. Not the Christian ones like Arnold Vierson. Uh, not our, our local guy like Chris Lewis. None of these people that claim to be Christians, not a single one opposed Bill C4. So he he they they sat by and said nothing when the Prime Minister of Canada put forward a bill threatening criminal prosecution and jail time to anyone who tries to quote unquote convert someone who's involved in aberrant sexual practices to a creational biblical view of human sexuality. Mm-hmm. Just think about that. That's not taking place in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's shocking. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely shocking that world leaders haven't spoken up against this. This is what makes Justin Trudeau the most dangerous man in North America. He, he has also presided, now he's not the only one, but he's presided over the deaths of 600,000 infants approximately in his six years as prime minister. He was elected in, in 2015. There's approximately 100,000 babies put to death in the womb every year in Canada. He's presided over that. He has advocated for robust funding for child sacrifice, for the abortion industry, He's sent money overseas to different countries to actively support the abortion industry. Now, at the same time, he, as an election promise, he has threatened to remove charitable status from pro-life pregnancy centers that are trying to help moms understand the value of life and to keep their children. Mm -hmm. So this is an attempt. Not only is he funding and supporting abortion, but he's actively threatening and seeking to penalize anyone who's pro-life. Several years ago, they had this legislation coming out about basically had to support, uh, you know, the pro-life movement to get government funding for summer grants. Right. Yep. He He's pro-death. He's, he's pro-death. He runs around talking about getting vaccinated to save lives, but he's presiding over the murder of 100,000 babies a year in our country. 100,000 children under his watch. He's actively, he's not passive. Mm-hmm. We've had some conservative government, they just don't say anything, they're passive. No, no, he's actively promoting it. He's actively penalizing the pro-life movement. He passed the MAID bill, medical say, yep. assistance in dying. He, he has no problem with senior citizens, people with diabetes, people that don't wanna live being executed by the hand of the state mm-hmm. because they just don't wanna live any longer. He's a lawbreaker. The the SNC-Lavalin affair several years ago now, he attempted to influence our attorney general, a female attorney general of indigenous descent. He had her in place because she's female, she's indigenous. That worked well for his political platform. He tried to uh, illegally influence her as she was trying to prosecute a company in Quebec that was up against the rails for bribery charges. He, and, and he illegally intervenes in a legal matter that's being presided for by the, no one, not a lower court judge, the attorney general of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lawbreaker. He, he last year, uh, two years ago in Ontario, he broke the reopening Ontario act while he's lecturing everyone else to stay home by attending racial rallies against the law, mm-hmm. taking the knee. Um, and then he incites hatred towards an identifiable group of people. So what I did is I brought along, Chris, some quotes. This is from Justin Trudeau. 
some quotes. This is a guy who's all into supposedly into equality. Um, you know, we don't discriminate. We're pluralistic. You know, we we all kind of got to get along to uh, to to get along. Sort of. And, and let, let me just read some of these. Yeah, they probably weren't hard to find, were they? No, they're not hard <laughs> to find. Some of them are as recent as this week. So the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Justin Trudeau has been venomous in his rhetoric towards people who have chosen not to reveal their medical vaccination status. Mm -hmm. He likes to call them anti-vaxxers, right? Because mm -hmm. when you're anti-something, you must be a bad person. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're anti-choice, you're, you're anti-vax. So that just kind of reveals he's drawing a moral judgment about people's decisions without even listening to them. But this is what he says. He says, quote, it's not just about governments and health workers frustrated that there are Canadians who will continue to choose to not get vaccinated. It's fellow Canadians as well, end quote. So he's basically, he's basically saying, if you're not vaccinated, you're frustrating the rest of mm -hmm. Canada. Like what's your, what's your polling statistics for that? And frankly, who cares? Mm -hmm. If a person chooses not to get vaccinated, why are you denigrating them? But that might seem kind of, soft. Here's, here's another, um, compared to what I'm going to read next, here's another comment from him. Rex Murphy reported this, many different media outlets reported this, uh, where Trudeau was on a, a French language TV interview. So this is in French, but it's been translated to English. And in it, he, he calls people that won't get vaccinated, these people. And then he, he and the quote goes on, the anti-vaxxers. And he then, <laughs> he then calls the anti, he then accuses the anti-vaxxers anti of often being, just throws a whole bunch of things mm -hmm. in here, of often being women haters, racists, and science deniers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what, what does that have to do? Someone doesn't want to get the vax. White people don't want to get the vax. Black people don't want to get the vax. Indigenous people don't want to get the vax. Asian people don't want to get the vax. Indian people don't want to get the vax. But you are a racist, mm -hmm. a misogynist. So it's very venomous language. He, Pastor Steve Long, this is a few years back, Pastor Steve Long, who's a Canadian Baptist minister, said, said that he's, he's met Justin Trudeau three times. And he says, quote, Sadly, my last meeting with him in his office was very disappointing. He told me that evangelical Christians were the worst part of Canadian society, end wow. quote. Well, you can say, well, you know, Steve, I, I trust Steve. He's a Canadian. He's a pastor or whatever. But now you see it in action. Like this is not a hard, this is not hard to believe mm -hmm. when he's anti-creational. He, he's, he's, he's called the Bible a myth. He he berates people that don't want to get a vaccine. So somehow, if you don't want to get a vaccine, you're a racist. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. You're a misogynist. You deny science. Like, really? The science right now is really not on the vaccine, pro-vax side. I mean, it's, it would seem that the vaccine has some short-term benefit to a majority of people, but it's kind of a crummy vaccine. I mean, everybody kind of knows that. It's just it's kind of not really doing a whole lot. But, even if it was, people have the choice. Mm -hmm. So Justin Trudeau is an interesting guy because he 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 wouldn't speak out against you filling your face with five thousand yeah. calories of food a day and being an overweight slob. Mm -hmm. That's bad for your health, bad for the medical system. He has legalized and promoted cannabis use, mm -hmm. which isn't healthy. Sorry, people, it's not healthy. He has um, he he. He's actively supportive of risky uh, sexual lifestyles, including sodomy, mm -hmm. uh, with multiple partners. Uh, this is a risky lifestyle from a health perspective, not even from a religious perspective. It's a it's a it's a risky lifestyle. He's he's fine with all that, but if someone's like, eh, I don't know if I really want to get the vax because maybe I have natural immunity already, or I'd like to give it a little bit of time to see how this vaccine pans out, or I'd kind of like to take it if the companies decide that they're going to take liability for it, or I was going to take it, but I'm not going to take it if, I'm, if they're going to fire my friends for not taking it, whatever the people's reasons are. 
that's people's individual, that's their business. But not in Justin Trudeau's world. Mm -hmm. Justin Trudeau's world, you're a terrible person if you're not vaccinated. Canadians are the worst part of society. Marijuana should be actively smoked across our land, even though tobacco is still bad, apparently. So, you know, anti-tobacco, pro-cannabis makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually can't think of anything that Justin Trudeau has done that's pro-family, that's pro-liberty, that's pro-God, that's pro-creational categories of human sexuality. A friend of mine, Dr. Tony Costa, was dismissed as an adjunct professor from an Ontario seminary here because he said Justin Trudeau hates Christians and the president and a few of their profs took issue with that. Well, really? Like, do you think he loves Christians? Do you think he loves your God? Are you guys kidding me? It's amazing that um, so many Christians have this mindset that we just kind of live and let live, let men like dangerous men like Justin Trudeau do whatever they want. Don't oppose them. Don't speak out against them. But God forbid, God, I mean, God forbid that a Christian pastor or a Christian theologian or a Christian apologist like a Tony Costa would, would actually call this guy out for who he obviously is. Mm -hmm. He is antichrist. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no question about that. He's antichrist. And while, you know, we could look at his past and his history and his upbringing and say, you know, we feel sorry for the guy. I mean, we want Justin Trudeau to get saved. We want him to come to a saving relationship in Jesus Christ. And we don't hate him as a person. And we wish that he would govern better. We could say all that. At the end of the day, he's responsible for his actions. And he is an incredibly destructive individual. And he needs to be called out. Mm -hmm. And people need to admit that. Stop hiding and pretending that he's a nice guy. He hates the church. He hates the things of God. He's unregenerate. And he's he he will continue to wreak havoc on Canada. And his influence will extend into the United States and around the world, if not directly, as a result of the disciples that he's that he's making because of his radical leftist ideologies. Mm -hmm. Now, you've said often on the podcast, you know, nothing is neutral. They're not neutral. Uh, and with some politicians, you can kind of maybe be uh, slip into a thought. Oh, they're kind of they they behave kind of neutral because they kind of make decisions on both sides of the aisle, you could say, or something like that. But obviously, clearly, uh, very clearly, Justin Trudeau is not neutral. And no. We know that. <laughs> no. Um, and there's no mistaking that. And so you have to take things uh, from that angle. And many people are saying that. Fortunately, you're not the first one to say, like, obviously, Tony Costas saying it clearly. Others are saying it. What do you believe, if you were to, to boil it down, um, what do you believe is the most dangerous thing about him? What makes him especially, especially dangerous? What makes Justin Trudeau especially dangerous is, he's un is a couple things. A, he's unopposed by the official opposition. So he's in a position of government. There's a system to government and Aaron O'Toole uh, and Jagmeet Singh do not oppose this man. Mm -hmm. He does whatever he wants. He gets their affirmation. He passed this godless Bill C4 bill, which by the way, we're going to preach against. It's becoming law this week or on the 8th. When's the 8th? Yeah, the 8th is this week. Yep. Yeah. It's becoming law this week. Well, we're going to preach against it next Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna oppose it. We're not gonna buckle. But anyway, the fact that he has successfully created a culture within Canada where born again, supposedly born again Christian MPs literally say nothing, mm -hmm. zero against this godless bill, and that other Christians try to reframe it. They actually believe it's it's what basically I have no respect for people. I was going to use a different word, but I have no respect for people. This is as polite as I can be. I have no respect for people that actually believe Bill C4 is about protecting homosexuals from abuse. Absolutely. I have yep. no respect for yep. you whatsoever. You you are an intellectual kindergarten student if you if you actually believe that that's the motive 
and that that's what this bill protects people from. Mm-hmm. It's 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 unbelievable that some Christians actually think that this is what this is about. Mm-hmm. So what makes him especially dangerous? He's he's unopposed even by Christians in government. But here's mm-hmm. the second thing, Chris: the church, I'm talking about the church as a whole, says virtually nothing. In fact, on a spiritual level, if you were to say what is one of the most dangerous groups in North America, I would say the silent church. Mm -hmm. The silent church is and are basically Justin Trudeau's best friends, his best allies. Because when the Christian church doesn't understand that as co-regents of God and as stewards of God and as harbingers of the gospel, the part of our calling is to hold tyrants, unjust rulers to account for their abuse of power, then we've really lost our way. I'm not suggesting that every sermon, every lesson needs to be berating Bill C-4, the latest political stunt by whoever happens to be in power. And nor am I in any way, shape, or form denigrating the party that Justin Trudeau presides over to the exclusion of the rest. They're all complicit in this. Mm -hmm. They're all complicit, all of them. And so this isn't a partisan podcast. It's It's a podcast that's exposing Justin Trudeau's anti-God, anti-creational stance. Mm-hmm. And the Christian church says virtually nothing. In fact, in fact, many of them by their silence are actively encouraging his behavior, mm-hmm. actively encouraging it. Yeah, I can guarantee you that pastors across our country in response to Bill C-4 what they're going to do, they're going to get up in front of the church. They're going to read a statement. I know there's some churches doing that in the coming weeks. They're just going to read a statement, and then that's going to go in the filing cabinet, and they're going to do nothing. They're going to say nothing to government. They're going to pat themselves on the back because, well, we read a statement in within the walls of our church, which probably won't be recorded and posted online. They'll sign a petition. They'll have a little website, and then they'll just move on. And many of them will scrub their websites and be really careful not to preach against these things. But here's the reality. The guys that won't preach against homosexuality, bestiality, men pretend to be women, women pretend to be men. The people that won't preach against those things moving forward are the people that don't preach against them already. I was going to say, yeah. Right? Yep. And if they do, it's it's like this. Well, th- homosexuality is a sin, but we got to love them. Quickly, it's like quickly, just a real quick, yeah, it's a sin, but, but we got to love them and want to be caring, want to be gentle and want to be gracious. Well, I understand all that, but we don't, we don't treat murderers that the, the sin of murder mm-hmm. or adulterous, not like, well, there's a local serial killer who's just been, but, but, but we got to love the guy and you know, we want to let him know he's welcome in our church and we hope he does best. And no, you have to park on the sin for a bit to help people to understand how, Mm-hmm. This is an offense to the holy God of the universe. It's wrong. It's it's destructive. It's horrible. And any of us could be participating in these sins in all humility, but it's wrong and it has to stop. Mm-hmm. And where the love and the grace and the mercy are going to be poured on thick is when there is repentance. Mm-hmm. When there is repentance. Yeah. A couple yeah. other things. These are, I think, a... Um, Maybe on a, a little bit lesser of a little bit lesser significance, but Justin Trudeau just turned fifty, so that's not very old. He has a lot of life ahead of him to continue to influence Canadian and North American culture, and by and large, he represents and then by in turn influences back the culture and the and the worldview in many of Canada's big cities. Mm-hmm. So. He does preside over a minority government right now, which is good, not a majority government. So he is, you would think that in theory, he'd be kind of kept in check, although he doesn't appear to be. But this is what, these are some of the things that make him especially dangerous and a man to keep a close eye on. Yeah. Like it, it is apparent he's pushing against like an open door, you could say, and uh, allowed to just progress so quickly in so few years realistically and so the natural question we all are asking and thinking through already as you've been talking is what do we do 
what should we do? Christ, concerned Christians, concerned churches. Um, what's our what's our strategy? Well, first of all, we got to pray for his repentance publicly. We should be praying for his repentance. And if he doesn't repent for God's swift judgment, the imprecatory Psalms, people, people talk about praying for your enemies. I agree. We should pray for our enemies. We should pray for their repentance. And if they don't repent, we should pray for, for God's judgment, however God chooses to enact that upon them. So that's, that's critical. We need to revive prayer in our spiritual lives and in our churches for the enemies of God. It's not really that they're our enemies, they're the enemies of God. And so we're not just about protecting ourselves and making our lives easier. It's about protecting this, the supremacy of God and his rightful rule over all of creation, present tense, not just future, mm -hmm. but he is the ruler of all thrones, principalities, authorities, Ever, anywhere on planet earth. So we need to call for Justin Trudeau's repentance and, and if not God's judgment. And we're motivated by love for his eternal soul and also love for the souls of the people that he is literally destroying. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Secondly, don't let him intimidate you. Do not let this man intimidate you. That's what tyrants do. They try to intimidate you. They threaten you. Well, I'm going to take your charitable status away. Go ahead and try. I'm going to throw you in jail. Go ahead and try. I'm going to fine you. Go ahead and try. I'm going to declare your sermons criminal. Go ahead and try. I'm going to delete you from Facebook or social media. Go ahead and try. We're going to resist you on every one of those points. But if you are successful, oh, well. We believe in the sovereignty of God. You're not going to intimidate mm -hmm. us. So kind of coming out of that, you don't need to fear this guy. He is he is dust like the rest of us. He is a, he is a creature and he's just a man. Mm -hmm. And Hitler was just a man. He's no longer here. Pol Pot was just a man. He's no longer here. Stalin was just a man. He's no longer here. Justin Trudeau, the dangerous, most dangerous man in North America is just a man. Mm -hmm. And before long, he will meet his maker. And he'll have to give an account for his life. We also need to expose him. There's no, there's, this is a critical time in culture and history. No more silence allowed. If you're silent, you're complicit. We need to expose him. Our American brothers need to help us expose this man, expose mm -hmm. him to the international community. We're grateful for men like John MacArthur, mm -hmm. who is willing to stand with us and, call American pastors to, to speak out against the tyranny of Bill C-4 um, on not this Sunday, but the next. So this is good. We need to come together. It's no more American church versus the Canadian church. We're brothers in Christ. There's tyranny spreading across our continent. We just happen to have the more tyrannical leader north of the border right now. But we need to expose this man. We also need to expose his supporters we need to expose those that support him, fund him, have his ear, are sort of his wormwoods that are whispering lies in his ear. We need to call them out. We need to challenge their public statements. We need to resist tyranny. When he, when he throws down laws like Bill C-4, we resist it. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll just go on public record as saying this. this the, the week after Bill C-4 becomes law, I will act no differently in my counseling or advice giving or preaching than the week before Bill C-4 becomes law. Mm -hmm. It's just a piece of paper. It's not worth the paper it's written on. It's a piece of garbage bill. It's not going to affect subconsciously or consciously my approach to people and my approach to God's word in any way, shape, or form. Not under threat, not under threat of death, fines, punishment. It's literally, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to expose it. I'm going to talk about it to inform people, but it, it's going to make no difference. Zero. Uh, for the record, we don't participate in coercive, quote unquote, conversion therapy as we would understand it. But again, that's not what the bill's about. 
but it makes no difference. We're going to preach God's word yep. from beginning to end. And <laughs> literally the parliament of Canada has wasted its time when it comes to trying to rein in churches like because it, it's not effectual. Makes no difference whatsoever. If anything, what it's going to do is it's going to create people that are more adamant, more faithful to preach against these things. We need to form beachheads and oppose him. We need to have good people in political office. We need to oppose this kind of stuff legally. So anytime there's bills or statements made, we need to oppose it uh, through... By, by running good and godly people who actually have a Christian worldview, not these fakes that say they're Christians, but mm -hmm. then don't act like Christians when it comes to their voting record. Not these fakes who are being controlled by their party leadership. Um, we need to create a new uh, political paradigm in our country where godly, righteous magistrates actually rise up, get into parties or start new parties, whatever happens to be best for the time and to oppose him politically. So we're not just gonna stay in the bleachers and uh, throw eggs. Mm -hmm. We're gonna get out in the field. We're gonna get into the game. Justin Trudeau, I want you to let, I wanna let you know in case you're listening to this, we have people that we're gonna be putting in positions of office that will oppose you. Mm -hmm. They might even eventually take over your party. So know this, that uh, Christian people have had enough. You've, you've, pushed your agenda too far and we might be in the minority, but we will win long-term. We will win because tyrants don't win long-term. People can't live under tyranny long-term. Mm -hmm. I also think we need to build good relationships with police. If there's police officers listening to this, um, they need to be warned. If your mindset as a cop is, well, I just do what I'm told, resign or change your mind because if you permit yourself to be a pawn of a state that enacts unjust laws or tries to persecute God's people, you are an enemy of God. You are responsible for your actions. Same with the pastor that says, well, I can't preach against this or that, this or that because my bishop or my denomination mm -hmm. said I couldn't. No, no, you are responsible to God for your behavior. So this whole passing of the buck mindset, the police are always oh, got to do what we're told. The pastor says, well, I got to do what the superintendent tells me, mm -hmm. right? The, the town council says, well, I got to do what the mayor says. No, no, no. You are responsible for your behavior. And if you're participating in coercion or injustice or outright evil, you're responsible for that. Yep. All of these MPs from other parties that are supposedly Christians, the best thing you could do before you stand before the Lord is to, to get up and publicly and unequivocally repent of your sins mm -hmm. against the nation of Canada and against God by remaining silent on Bill C-4. And if you don't, I pray that you will never hold office again mm -hmm. and that you will not sleep well at night. This is for your own benefit. You need to repent of your sins. The seminary professors, the presidents that are th tossing guys out of their faculty because they're, they're telling the truth, about the most dangerous man in North America's perspective of Christianity. Gentlemen, you need to repent or retire mm -hmm. because you're not being helpful. You can take offense to that. You can suck on your thumb. You can write your letters or send your emails, but you're sinning against God by opposing God's prophetic voices in this culture. And you need to smarten up. You need to wake up to what's going on in our culture and you need to change the way that you're acting and behaving towards mm -hmm. tyranny. So these are some things we can do. These are active steps. You know, words are powerful. We're going to use our words. We're going to use our prayers. Uh, we're going to be people of grit and perseverance. And um, if anybody doubts that, let me just say this. In the past two years, to just use the past two years as an example, we're not losing supporters. We're gaining supporters. There's more and more people, even from outside the church, looking to faithful churches and saying, actually, we, we're coming your way. We, we realize that you're the ones that speak the truth. So our numbers are not diminishing. Our numbers are increasing. And they will continue to increase because when someone like Justin Trudeau or any other leader, Joe Biden or whoever it might be, promotes lies and tyranny and totalitarianism, we will expose you. Mm -hmm. And if you try to take us out or silence us in some way, someone else will rise up and they will expose you. And if you try to take them out, someone else will rise up and they will expose you. You will lose if you're an enemy of God. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. Either in this life or in the future, you 
You are a loser. You are losing and you will ultimately lose. But God will build his church and the people of God will prevail. Thank God for that. We can praise God for that. We can have an optimistic, hopeful outlook. Um, but as we wait for God to move and do what we are incapable of, we're going to continue to, to speak out against falsehood and error. And again, I trust this podcast will serve to issue an adequate warning to the people of God that um, there's a dangerous man presiding over our nation right now. And he needs to repent or eventually he will experience the judgment of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's a heavy message. It's hard, but it's true. And uh, just a reminder to our listeners to um, take that to heart, to listen, re-listen to that, put those steps into practice and uh, do us a favor and share this message. It's a, uh, a challenging one and maybe one that you uh, tend not to want to hit the share button on social media because you're afraid of what it might uh, what it might do. But we would encourage you to share it. Encourage you to share it, like it, subscribe. And as those quick reminders, again, we're heard on our friends over at the CJXC Radio, uh, Canada's Constant Christian Companion. They're at 11 Tuesdays and 11 p.m. Thursdays, as well as over on the Fight, Laugh, Feast app. So make sure to download those, listen, tune in there, and we will catch you again next week for another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. <laughs>